0: So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 10.08 a.m. Pacific Daylight Time. It is May Day, May Day, May Day. It's May the 1st, 2023, and this is episode 716 of Bitcoin and what do we got on the table today? Well we, well, 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 we got LN shorted. We do. We got LN short dot it. What the hell is that? Well, let's just, let's go through it because it's, well, I mean, it's not that big of, you know, it's not that big of a thing to go through, but it is cool. But it does bring up some, you know, some, some other ideas here. Uh, Lou on Noster says, if you want to shorten your link from this, and it's a great big old long-ass link to this lnshort.it forward slash l-u-r-u-s-a-n. Use lnshort.it. It's time to bring those sats out of Noster and use them for other things to help the circular economy grow stronger. Okay, <clears throat> what is it? It's just, it's like tiny URL right? It, it's just a shortening method to take very long, ugly ass links and shorten them to like little itty bitty, tiny, you know, tiny links, right? So LN short, LN It is where you want to go to find that. Now here's the thing. It costs Satoshi's to do that. From what I can tell, in here, let me just read this part. I'm, I'm over here on lnshort.it, and it says pricing. Our pricing model is based on the period of time you need the redirect. Longer period uh, periods have a cheaper price per day. Be aware, this project is focusing on the adoption of Bitcoin. You can only pay our service via the Bitcoin Lightning Network since its use case is micropayments. So I can put in, this is what I think is going on. I can put in one link, like some great big giant link and have it shortened. And I can have it shortened for one week for the low, low price of five satoshis. I can have it redirect to a shorter link for one full month for 15 satoshis, one year for 100 sats, so these are not from what, from what it looks like here. It does not look like these are, perma, you know, permanent shortening links. You got to pay for this shit. That's fine. That's fine. What I mean, how else are we supposed to get circular economies to grow with the native currency of the Internet that is Bitcoin? If we're not starting out, a circular economy on the actual internet itself. The very platform, the very thing, ladies and gentlemen, that Bitcoin lives lives on. That's the whole point. Well, actually that, no, that one of the points, there's several points about Bitcoin that, that we all know and love, but the you know, one of the points was is that it like the the internet needed a native currency. Bitcoin solved a whole shit ton of problems and also solved that one as well. And we keep talking about pe- people really need to start using Bitcoin more. Yeah, well duh. Okay. Well, if we're not if we look at a pricing model and say, hey, I need a redirect for you know for a year and it's gonna cost me hundred satoshis. So after a year that redirect doesn't work? I don't want to pay that. Why not? Okay. The only thing that is bad about this is that you if you want that link to live on in perpetuity, then you really need to figure out why. I mean, how many times do we how many times have we used like uh you know shortened URL or whatever and and then just forgot about the link? How how many times have you actually shortened a link, and then used it, you know, multiple times over the course of, you know, longer than one year. And when you ask yourself that question, chances are real good. The answer is going to be not, not many times, but there are a couple of links that you might want to shorten for perpetuity, like a link to your store or to your website. Okay. But like a link to like one Obla article or <clears throat> uh shortening a link to like one of my podcasts, it's that's not worth it to me. that's it's just not worth it to me. I would, however, consider shortening a link to the main page of my show of the Bitcoin and podcast over on something like Fountain. Or if I had my own website, which I, I don't because I kinda I kind of haven't figured out a a reason that I really need one. Um, I'm sure everybody's laughing and going, you dumbass! of course you need one. And I can tell you all the reasons why. Well, I can't hear you unless you give me a boostogram or something like that. So be sure to DM me all your reasons why I should go ahead and spin up a website, but be that as it may, we need to really start the whole process of a real circular economy and one of the very easiest places to do that is stuff like pay lightning network enabled paywalls for articles uh, link shortening sites such as lnshort.it and what comes along with all this if you hear something going on in the background my cat is has found a ceramic bead and is playing with it so if she continues to do this shit i'll i'll shut it down and and get her out and do, you know, do whatever it takes. I'm just getting back to the whole point. This isn't just about telling you about LN it and its link shortening capabilities. No, 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 no. This goes way beyond that. This is one of the smallest things that you can do. And, And, you know, we got three things that we can do. We can buy Nostra relays that help us filter the global feed and, you know, do some other things we can uh, shorten the links uh, we can put up paywalls on articles we can there's like these three things that are just basic things that we can practice with and get used to a circular economy based around bitcoin so uh if you know i advise everybody go check it out lnshort.it that's lnshort.it now hey you have, what's going on with republic bank should we check in on the little guy, see how things are going? Okay, First Republic Bank is seized. Sold to J.P. Morgan and second largest United States bank failure. Oh my God, it doesn't look like uh, our little guy's doing so well, does it? Rachel Louise Enson and Ben Enson is writing this one for uh, Wall Street Journal. And the only reason I can read it is because I put it into archive.ph and stole it. That's right. I stole it. Regulators seized First Republic Bank and struck a deal to sell the bulk of its operations to J.P. Morgan Chase and Company, heading off a chaotic collapse that threatened to reignite the recent banking crisis. Okay, pausing right there to reiterate my theory. The weekend of Silvergate Bank And Silicon Valley Bank and that third one, and I can't remember the name of it because it really didn't make it into the news. That weekend, at least a hundred, if not a thousand banks died. And they didn't tell us about any of the other ones. They told us about three, but they didn't tell us that First Republic had indeed failed. Do I have proof that First Republic failed the same weekend? No, no, I do not. I'm not going to be able to get that proof. If I was working for the Washington Post, I doubt that I would be able to get that information. But if I was able to get that information, guess who would not be allowed to say anything about it? Me, because I work at the Washington Post, which is what? Owned by everybody who doesn't want you to know that First Republic Bank failed the exact same weekend that Silicon Valley and Silvergate failed. There's a hundred, if not a thousand banks that failed that weekend, but they're just keeping it all in the closet and they're gonna let it trickle out a little at a time. So this whole first paragraph or first sentence of this news story that says that this uh, chaotic collapse threatened to reignite the recent banking crisis, that thing is like a dump fire. Do you know what a dump fire is? it's a, we'll call it a landfill fire. Now, for those of you who don't know, I had a, um, I had a stepfather. My parents got divorced when I was young. My mom and my dad both remarried, but my mom decided to remarry somebody who owned a junkyard and a landfill. So that's where the city of Midland, the sanitation department would take all their trash least mo I don't know if it was really as much of the organic trash you know from people's dumpsters as much as commercial trash like concrete and wood and old you know all- but it was a it was a dump literally a dump and the thing was deep too we're talking like 20 feet down maybe 50 feet down I don't remember how much of a hole in the ground that they dug cuz I was like a little kid but it was almost already full by the time I was you know, figuring out what the hell was going on, and somebody decided to go take cans of diesel and go out onto the into the middle of the dump and just upend in several different spots of like jerry cans of diesel fuel, and then they lit the fucker on fire. It burned for years. Now, it wasn't like this. When you think of a dump fire, it's not like it's obvious. That's exactly what the guys with the whole banking crisis were trying to avoid. Then it was somebody driving down the interstate and looking over and seeing a pillar of smoke, right? And great big flames. No, no, no. This diesel fell down and went through crevices in the trash and deep, 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 deep deep under the pile. And then when they lit it on fire, there was only like little bitty, you know, little bitty fires that you could actually see. The real fire was burning deep down and it didn't matter how much water they put on it. A dump fire like that burns for, it just continuously burns. The only thing that you can do is bury the whole thing and hope that oxygen finally, finally gets squelched off from it but they were never going to put that dump fire out. That's what this is. First Republic Bank is the first drip that's going to come. There will be another one after this, maybe in a couple of weeks, maybe three. And I might be completely wrong and everything is just fine, but I doubt it. I don't think so. All right. So that's we could i could read you the rest of the wall street journal article but it's not necessary except well it's actually there's a couple of things that i do want to hit on so let me do the couple a couple more paragraphs jp morgan said that it will assume all of first republic's 92 billion dollars in deposits both insured and uninsured it is also buying most of the bank's assets including about 173 billion dollars of loans and $30 billion in securities. As part of the agreement, the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation will share losses with J.P. Morgan on First Republic's loans. The agency estimated that its insurance fund would take a hit of $13 billion in the deal. J.P. Morgan also said that it would receive $50 billion in financing from the FDIC. Since when was the FDIC ever a finance arm and not an insurance company? questions to ask. San Francisco-based First Republic, the second largest bank to fail in the United States history, lost $100 billion in deposits in a March run following the collapse of fellow Bay Area lender Silicon Valley Bank. It limped along for weeks after a group of America's biggest banks came to its rescue with a $30 billion deposit. Those deposits will be repaid after the deal closes, JP Morgan said. All right, so check this shit out. We got $92 billion in deposits that you can read that as $92 billion of liability, right? When I deposit money, my money into a bank, it's a liability for the bank. It's an asset that I can say that I hold, but the bank is liable to give it back to me upon request. Yes, snicker. I know you're snickering. I get get it. When you put your money in the bank, it's the bank's money. I, I, I get that part. But technically and on their books, that deposit, they don't technically own as far as their books are concerned. It's a liability that the bank owes me. All right. So they got $100 billion of liabilities. They got $173 billion in loans and $30 billion in securities. You can read that as United States Treasury bonds. Mm hmm. Yeah. Sorry. Drinking some coffee from a good friends over there. Coffee chain. Go visit coffee chain. Hashtag coffee chain. Um, Yeah. Everything about this is just bad. Now, if the uh, here's the thing, if one hundred and seventy three billion dollars of loans, if all of those loans were good, and they got 30 billion dollars in securities and 92 billion dollars in deposits writ liabilities if the if the loans are good and even remotely performant that's actually not a bad balance sheet and that bank is dead so how much of the loans how much of the loans of that 173 billion dollars were bad That would answer quite a bit of questions. Anyway, here's the point. This is not over. And reigniting the recent banking crisis is a dog whistle. That thing is already burning. It has never stopped burning. It's probably actually been burning since 2008, and there's no way to extinguish it. There's no way to extinguish that. Now, Speaking of extinguishing, can we please do away with the ordinals? This is the only negative piece that I've seen from Bitcoin Magazine about ordinals. But I may be surprised. I don't know. I haven't read the whole thing yet. We do that together. Okay. Jamie or Jaime Garcia is writing this one for Bitcoin Magazine. Ordinals are an attack on El Salvador's Bitcoin mission. The hype around Bitcoin NFTs made possible through inscriptions that use the ordinal protocol, <clears throat> which is broken, uh, is undeniable. Trader and art dealer Stephen Hay has even suggested that the government of El Salvador release an official ordinal art collection to potentially raise money to fund its proposed Bitcoin city or otherwise accelerate Bitcoin adoption. Unfortunately, this suggestion seems to lack an on-the-ground Salvadoran perspective and, in my view, is a blatant attack on El Salvador's Bitcoin objectives. El Salvador turned to Bitcoin because of the qualities that make it sovereign money, one that is not beholden to foreign powers or organizations. While a couple of the leading value propositions for using Bitcoin in El Salvador are to attract private foreign investment, and to spur tourism. The promise of hard money that is unconfiscatable, uncensorable, and resistant to manipulation is why El Salvador made Bitcoin legal tender. However, ordinals do not provide any of the hard money benefits to Bitcoin. The, The Bitcoin community has seen recent vivid examples demonstrating that NFTs are bad investments. For example, A Malaysian investor who bought Jack Dorsey's first tweet for $2.5 million struggled to find bids when he later tried to sell it. Even El Salvador President Nayib Bukele appeared to recognize the lack of real value in NFTs as he auctioned his tweet announcing the country's Bitcoin law approval in its legislative assembly. The NFT was never sold and Bukele did not pursue the endeavor any further. Numerous maximalists and salvadorans have been discouraging Bitcoin NFTs because they believe that folks who get rug pulled could suffer significant financial harm. For many of these critics, defending Bitcoin's social layer and calling out potential scams is essential to keeping the Bitcoin network secure. There are several key elements that critics constantly bring up, which could demonstrate that Bitcoin NFTs on the Ordinal Protocol are grifts and no different than NFTs on other protocols. And these are as follows. Number one, the hype around NFTs is arbitrarily assigning exaggerated values to things that are not inherently scarce. Two, the ordinal protocol cannot actually track individual Satoshis as claimed by the creators and promoters of the protocol. Number three, the Bitcoin protocol is unaware of the inscriptions or ordinals, so none of this is verifiable by the network. Four, there are debatable concerns on the impact of inscriptions activity on storage resources of node runners. Five, the NFT scams are a significant distraction from the integrity of Bitcoin's primary purpose. And finally, number six, the intellectual dishonesty that markets ordinals as art investment that will increase in value over time. Taking the above elements into account, an El Salvador Ordinal's buyer risks purchasing an expensive, low-quality, reproducible image that's likely to decrease in value. While there is a valid argument that the marketplace will decide whether it wants such a digital product, critics will point out that people should be aware of the inherent grift, G-R-I-F-T, the inherent grift of the NFT space and the similarities, similarities Two promotions of ordinals. To paraphrase the creator of Time Chain Calendar, TC, who has spoken on this topic in several Twitter spaces, conversations that I've heard quote, a blockchain makes a very poor database. It only works in Bitcoin because it is only verifying the truth about Bitcoin transactions, end quote. Another Bitcoiner, Magoo, has opined in similar Twitter spaces that adding engineering complexity to the Bitcoin time chain or any software is congruent with increasing possible attack vectors. These attack vectors can appear not only in the network itself, but also in the social layer. As such, ordinals have the potential to manifest attack vectors in each of these layers. It has encouraged people to focus their energy on an activity that Bitcoin was not designed nor optimized for. While the CEO of BTC Incorporated, which operates Bitcoin Magazine, David Bailey has argued that Bitcoin NFTs on the Ordinal's protocol are compatible with Nakamoto consensus. They are antithetical to Bitcoin because their marketing suggests that they will increase in value and that violates the concept of proof of work. In the same line of thought, Hay proposed that a government ordinal collection would be all benefit and no risk, implying that it's easy money. But the principles behind proof of work demand that money should not be easy to generate through natural law. Saifedean Amis wrote about this topic in several sections of his book, The Bitcoin Standard, emphasizing that creating hard money requires an effort to provide value and benefit to the market and society. Ordinals are a high time preference activity based on easy money and speculation. Therefore, encouraging El Salvador's Bitcoin adoption acceleration by releasing an ordinal's collection is peak fiat mentality. Salvadorans don't need ordinals. El Salvador has a rich pool of artistic talent, including musicians, actors, filmmakers, dancers, folklorists, writers, architects, and visual artists. Those Bitcoiners eager to help the country with its adoption will do well to support the existing artist community by, you know, promoting them and paying for their crafts by using actual Bitcoin. As a starting point, Bitcoiners can go to the National Artisan Market. Let's see if that, that is a link. Uh, it's a long link. Yeah, that's a TripAdvisor link, so I'm just going to let it go. Uh, if you want that link, you can go to the show notes. This artic- the, article, uh, the link to the article is in the show notes, and you can get it from there. Uh, <clears throat> Bitcoiners can go to the national artisan market where people can find paintings, indigo dyed apparel, hammocks, and sculptures. Bitcoiners can also provide opportunities to digital artists, such as graphic designers, through contracts for working on web projects, apps, and in print, and... They can support digital content creators by giving value-for-value tips for their published works. Ultimately, Salvadorans are more concerned about improving their day-to-day situations than collecting freaking JPEGs on mobile phones. The everyday Salvadoran demands that their government focus on security, infrastructure, public transit, traffic, health, and education. Therefore, issuing an NFT collection is far from what Salvadorans value given that el salvador has had relatively positive success with its bitcoin adoption it's easy to forget that its current government had a rough start and faced much criticism with its formal bitcoin adoption launch many criticized the government's release of the chivo wallet over insufficient accompanying education and the technical challenges experienced by some users the primary recipient For much of this negative feedback was not the government itself, but Bitcoin as a whole, thereby hindering Bitcoin adoption. Heading into Bitcoin's second anniversary as legal tender in El Salvador, some of the negative perceptions created around Bitcoin are finally beginning to fade. But if the governments were to release a Bitcoin NFT collection, that would only rewind the progress made. The government must not promote ordinals or NFTs as many perceive them as scams. El Salvador needs to generate confidence and trust. And when ordinals like NFT projects of the past inevitably crash, El Salvador cannot be associated with them. Unfortunately, any negative perception about ordinals would lead to reputational damage for the country, which is precisely where the attacks on Bitcoin adoption continue. The Ordinal's lobby has mounted an all-out PSYOPs front, particularly as specific groups of altcoiners are claiming that they are making Bitcoin fun again. Additionally, some are trying to gain favor and buy influence by donating proceeds to non-governmental organizations, NGOs like the Human Rights Foundation, which has been critical of El Salvador, despite being inundated with all of the Ordinal noise. It is refreshing to see folks like South Africa's Bitcoin Akazi work toward the Bitcoin mission with absolute clarity. In a recent tweet, the Bitcoin Akazi team said it is, quote, not here to have fun, but to change the world, end quote. There's a real chance of failure for groups like Bitcoin Akazi due to these distractions from a primary mission of adopting the hardest money in the world. With that same level of clarity, El Salvadorans, must remain undeterred from these attacks. All right, that's the end of the article. So again, this is written by Jaime Garcia. Who is Jaime Garcia? Because that's going to be important with some of the claims that he was saying about what El Salvador should and should not do. And I'm sure somebody was like going, yeah, does he even live there? I kind of don't know. But at the top of the article, the Bitcoin Magazine article says this. This is an opinion editorial by Jaime Garcia, a Salvadoran slash Canadian Bitcoiner and co-host of Global Bitcoin Fest. I've never heard of Global Bitcoin Fest, and I don't know what Salvadoran Canadian Bitcoiner means. It could possibly mean that he was an El Salvadoran and he moved to Canada, so he would be an expat El Salvadoran, I guess. So, but either way, I think he's got enough. If this is true, if he was like, you know, if he has dual citizenship or he's from El Salvador, at least he's got some street cred to be able to say these things. Now, it so happens that I agree totally with this. What I find fascinating, what I find absolutely fascinating, ladies and gentlemen, is that Bitcoin magazine published this article. And I think that that shows that really, that kind of puts my, uh, that puts me, I feel better about Bitcoin Magazine because they're like going, okay, we're all in ordinals, that's clear. And here is something that says ordinals suck and we're gonna publish it, okay? That's the way news agencies kind of should be. You know, they. yes, put in the piece that that says the thing that you don't want to hear about because it's basically saying that Bitcoin Magazine's foray into ordinals and inscriptions is completely wrong. It's wrong for them. It's wrong for El Salvador. It's honestly wrong for anybody that wants to get into the ship. Please don't do it. All right. The last thing you need is a JPEG of a monkey and thinking that it actually has any kind of value whatsoever when I can always right click and save it. And I don't want to hear about the wallet uh, <clears throat> information that I will not be able to perpetrate because guess what? Nobody gives a shit. Nobody gives a shit. And even if they did give a shit, half the people that say they give a shit, don't give a shit. And the other half that actually do give a shit, half of them probably wouldn't be able to verify that wallet address. Even if I gave them all the metadata that they would not know the first thing on how to go make sure that I'm not filling them full of shit. Right? So honestly, it doesn't matter, it's all crap. But kudos to Bitcoin Magazine for publishing this piece that reflects negatively on the whole thing about inscriptions, ordinals, NFTs, monkey rock JPEGs, whatever, right? Good on them for doing that. I hope they continue to be able to, you know, take a abstracted view of of things that they hold dear. Now, Bhutan, the country, Bhutan, B-H-U-T-A-N is how you spell it. Bhutan has been mining Bitcoin with hydropower since BTC price was $5,000. Joe Hall, Cointelegraph, Bhutan is bullish on Bitcoin following the revelation that the small Himalayan kingdom has been quietly accumulating crypto. The country is also mining Bitcoin. Moreover, The country of less than 800,000 people leverages green energy to power that. Known for its focus on gross national happiness and picturesque landscapes, Bhutan has found ways to harness its immense hydroelectric potential, which accounts for 30% of its gross domestic product. First reported in an expose in local Bhutanese news and followed by inquiries from Forbes, Bhutanese officials confirmed that mining began when the price of Bitcoin was around $5,000 back in April of 2019. The price per Bitcoin has since soared to roughly $28,000 per coin at the time of writing. The kingdom has reportedly explored partnerships to expand its mining operations further. Notably, it is negotiating with NASDAQ, NASDAQ listed mining company Bitdeer, uh, to secure 100 megawatts of power for a bitcoin mining data center in Bhutan this partnership would increase bitdeer's mining capacity by about 12% the scale of bhutan's mining operations remains a mystery with little information avail- available about the location size profitability of its mining farms some druck holdings and investment employees have listed crypto mining as their tasks and skills on their LinkedIn profiles. It's also unclear why the government chose not to disclose this project to its citizens or international partners. I'll bet you I know why. However, it is known that the state-owned holding company, DHI, has invested millions of dollars in cryptocurrency holdings with the funds managed on behalf of its people. Although mainstream media would indicate the contrary, Bitcoin mining is the world's cleanest industry. And then they give a whole bunch of stuff about that. We all know that. Bhutan adds to a long list of regions from East Africa to Scandinavia, mining Bitcoin with hydropower, one of the cheapest clean energy sources. So Bhutan on deck. Yeah, Bhutan. Now this has been Kind of floating around the the wings over the weekend, and I think uh, I started hearing some rumblings about Bhutan on Thursday and then into Friday, but uh eh, I didn't get to it then, so I'm getting to it now, but yeah, makes good sense. Himalaya's going to have you know lots of snowpack, lots of snowmelt, there's a good amount of rain, of course, they got good hydropower now. That whole notion of, nobody, it's a mystery as to why they didn't tell anybody. Oh, bullshit. Like, it's also, this is what they say. It's also unclear why the governments chose not to disclose this project to its citizens or international partners. Okay, I got an answer for one of those. International partners. What, is that? what does that mean? It means the IMF, the WEF, the Council of Foreign Relations, the UN, because if, if they just announced then Klaus Schwab in his, his clown show, is, he would have driven his clown car over to Wall Street Journal and said how Bhutan is screwing up. And then they would have gotten just as much shit as El Salvador has been getting. And they just probably didn't want to deal with it. Not that it really matters in the long run, but it's like, oh my God, Now here come all the emails and all the calls from all the people in mainstream media that want us to give a statement about the WEF's position and the IMS position. And you know, ain't nobody got time for that shit. So they probably just said, you know what? No, we're not going to say anything. They also weren't able to say anything to their citizenry, probably because that would have automatically leaked out and they would have had to deal with the same thing. But yeah, I really, it kind of would have been nice if they had told their citizens <laughs> that they were doing something about Bitcoin. Uh, we'll have to see how this goes. We'll have to see. But uh, you can be sure that the Wall Street Journal and, oh, who, whatever, you know, the Greenpeace idiocy and the New York Times, they'll all, now that they know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, they'll all start harshing on poor old Bhutan. So we'll have to jump in every once in a while and help them out. Uh, Samara Asset Group donates $150,000 to Brink for Bitcoin Development, BTC Casey, Bitcoin Magazine. Samara Asset Group, SAG. An alternative asset manager with a focus on Bitcoin has donated $150,000 to Brink, a charitable Bitcoin development community. The donation will be used to finance the annual salary of a developer, a single developer, contributing to the growth and development of the Bitcoin network. Samara has committed to continuing this donation for the next three years. So it looks like fifty grand a year. You, depending on where you live, you definitely live on that shit. And if you're living in El Salvador, you can definitely live off $50,000 a year. Hell yeah, man. Uh, There's more to it than that, but we've got a lot of stuff to cover. So I'm going to cut some of these short. Jack Dorsey, Jack Dorsey's nano Bitcoin mining ship heads to prototype. Yeehaw, Tom Mitchell Hill, Cointelegraph. Block the financial services and technology company owned by former Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey has announced it has completed the prototype design of its new 5-nanometer Bitcoin mining chip, which it claims is key to decentralizing the supply of Bitcoin mining rigs. According to a blog post (laughs) uh, published on April the 28th, Block explained that developing Bitcoin mining ASIC rigs is both financially and technically challenging. The result of this has been the excessive concentration of custom Bitcoin mining silicon in the hands of a select few companies. Block deems this centralization harmful to both miners and the Bitcoin network as a whole. Notably, the San Francisco headquartered company wrote that it plans to make Bitcoin mining technology open source where possible by selling standalone ASICs and other hardware components to optimize innovation and maximize the size of the Bitcoin mining hardware ecosystem. The post adds that the steps taken over the past few months will allow the firm to experiment with new designs and aid them in bringing more efficient and affordable Bitcoin mining chips to the market. In order to fast-track the, this development push, Block added that it had purchased a large batch of ASICs uh, from Intel on April the eighteenth. Intel announced that it would halt taking new orders for its Block Scale One Thousand Series ASICs by October the twentieth and end shipping them in April of 2024 as part of cost cutting measures. Block says this large intake of ASICs from Intel will help accelerate the development of its own proprietary three nanometer chip, which it claims upon its release would be the most advanced chip to date. Quote, we can now focus our design team exclusively on cutting edge three nanometer ASIC development. Jesus, you guys are about to go quantum. The scale of a nanometer is approximately equivalent to the width of two silicon atoms. (laughs) Holy shit. As parts of the chips become smaller, it allows for more transistors to fit into one silicon die of the same size. By reducing the overall size, the electric current travels less distance in the circuit to perform a calculation, which means that overall efficiency is improved and the amount of heat produced is decreased. It's worth noting that 5-nanometer ASIC chips have been around for some time, with the earliest 5-nanometer being released in 2021 from Chinese mining firm Canaan. Currently, most Bitcoin mining ASICs run on 5-nanometer chips. However, no company has made their ASIC chips design open source. (laughs) And then we get into a definition of ASICs here at the very end, but it's just application-specific integrated circuit. It's how we mine Bitcoin. Now, here's the thing about getting this small. Yes, it increases efficiency. Yes, it decreases the amount of heat emitted. And that's all because the electricity, the electrons have a shorter distance to go. However, as you start getting smaller and smaller, you know, we're at three nanometers, which is, or or, well, we're at five. They want to go to three, right? That's six times The distance of a single molecule of silicon, which is the actual platform, the backing, the substrate that the chip is printed on, right? At one point or another, there's going to be crosstalk where you can't really make sure that the electrons aren't jumping from one line of, of travel to a different line of travel causing a mess at, I never really thought, now I'm not a material scientist. I get it. No. And I'm not a quantum physicist. And and yeah, I get it. I get it. But I can conjecture. I'm not dumb. I can read a book, All right? I've been trained in science. I know some things, but when we get down to these kinds of scale, well, funny shit happens. So if they produce a three nanometer chip. And if a production run of said three nanometer chips don't result in almost 80% waste, that means after they uh, uh, test the chip that they find out that it's a complete failure, that's already happening. There are some places that have to throw away half of their production run because the chips are so small that there's errors in the printing or baking process or both, right? When we get down this small, how many are going to come out the other end? And if you get to where you're like throwing away over half of your chips or 80% of your chips because they're just malfunctioned, I don't know. And my other question is who the, who the hell is working at block that is an integrated circuit engineer? Uh, if somebody has any skinny on, on like the in-depth thing that's going on with J- uh, Jack Dorsey block and his engineering team, I'd like to know, because at this point, when you're engineering at three nanometers, you don't come cheap. You don't come cheap at all. Now getting into lightning, lightning labs aims to help bring Bitcoin to billions With its latest upgrade, Alyssa Hertig from Decrypt.co, the team at Bitcoin tech startup Lightning Labs, one of the main developers of Bitcoin's Speedy and Scalable Lightning network, released an update on its LITD node management tool designed to make Bitcoin and Lightning easier to use. Users need to run a Lightning node to send and receive payments on the network non-custodially, meaning... Without the assistance of a third party, a feat that isn't easy for users who aren't tech-savvy and don't want to spend hours learning the ins and outs of the protocol to send a payment. Lightning Labs manages a tool called Lightning Terminal to make managing Lightning nodes easier. Behind the scenes, LITD aims to abstract certain features of node management so users don't have to manage them directly, making it easier to use Lightning. Quote, we've Heard consistent feedback from the Lightning developer community about the need for increased node management automation and better developer tooling for seamlessly onboarding new Lightning users, Lightning Labs head of product growth Michael Levin, or Le- 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 Levin told Decrypt, <clears throat> adding that these changes will make it easier to onboard new users to the network regardless of their experience level. One update of LITD is to automatically update Lightning fees. Lightning routing nodes charge small fees for relaying payments to a destination. Usually, whoever is operating the Lightning node needs to manually increase or decrease the fees. But Lightning Labs came up with a new algorithm for updating these fees dynamically based on how many payments each channel is routing each week. Another is an introduction of accounts, which is in quotes, generally, each user has one lightning node, but the new account system allows for many users to share a single lightning node. With accounts, developers can bring less advanced users to lightning without the need to understand any complexity of liquidity or node management, Levin said. Liquidity is a major user experience hurdle facing new users. They need to first make sure a Lightning channel is open to them in order to receive funds, which require some knowledge of how Lightning works. New users don't want to have to deal with that. These LITD updates are part of an industry-wide effort to make Lightning easier to use for the average Joe. Earlier this month, LightSpark unveiled a suite of tools to help onboard businesses for Lightning. For instance, quote, these new features will help the lightning developer community continue on its path to bring Bitcoin to billions around the globe, Levin said. Okay. Algorithms, artificial intelligence, managing lightning fees, liquidity ins and outs of your lightning node. I don't hate it. I, I, I don't. I don't hate it. Am I wary of it? Absolutely. Now, an algorithm, I eh, really kind of don't give a shit about. You know, an algorithm is an algorithm is an algorithm. But at one point or another, artificial intelligence is, I guarantee, guarantee—you're going to be injected into all this shit. And that's where I might get a little, uh, get a little real skeptical about stuff. You know, I just, I just saw a video out of my f- favorite 3D modeling tool company, Houdini, or a uh, side effect software. They're the makers of Houdini. It's a a 3D animation modeling, and it's an everything tool. If you're into uh, gaming, making, you know, making uh, 3D animations, modeling, rigging, uh, landscapes, you name it, dude. This thing does it all. I love it, but it's very, very expensive. They introduced a machine learning node into their pipeline you you can choose to use it or not and i just but I, the fact of the matter is without getting in depth i saw a video of a guy trying to play around with it and it basically built a 3d model for him from a picture that's all i'm going to say about it now getting back to lightning i would love it if i could automate fees on like my 20 channels i don't have a great big node it's not huge it's not massive I run it to support the lightning network, but I also run it to take part of the value for value podcasting 2.0 landscape and all the rest of the value for value landscape because it's way beyond just podcasting 2.0. But I would love it if if I could just set it up say hey, when I've got, you know, 50% of the liquidity is on my side of the lightning channel, do, you know, do X. If if I have less than 25% incoming liquidity, do some other X. I would love it but what I really need is an automated system to redistribute my incoming and outgoing satoshis my incoming and outgoing liquidities because I've got I've got a, like x amount of satoshis in 20 channels some of them are on my channel partner side some of theirs are on my side I would love to be able to say hey the Satoshis, the amount of Satoshis that I control, continuously redistribute those through loop-ins or loop-outs to balance and have a good outgoing liquidity or balance it for incoming liquidity. I don't know, but I it would be awesome to do that and do fees. That would be cool as shit because numbers are everything. Let's run them. CNBC Futures and Commodity has got West Texas Intermediate down 2 and a quarter points to $75.03. Brent North Sea crude oil is down 2 and a quarter percent to $78.55. Natural gas down 4.6% to $2.29 per 1000 and gasoline is down 0.2 to 2.52 United States dollars per gallon. Uh, why the bank failure. And there's also some question as to whether China's economy is, is, is going to bounce back like China said it was going to bounce back. There's all manner of shit going on. And you know what I haven't seen? A single peep out of OPEC Plus. And that's rather surprising. I don't know what it means, but it's kind of surprising. You'd think they'd be rattling a sword or a saber or a scimitar or something like that at this point, but no not a freaking peep out of opec plus now metals uh not doing well today gold down a half point to nineteen hundred and eighty nine bucks peter schiff not happy silver down scant twenty five dollars and twenty cents platinum is down two and a half copper is the only one up one point well actually one and a third percent uh one and a third points to the upside palladium down well over four full points ag mixed biggest loser today is going to be wheat 2.52 to the downside biggest winner today is going to be rice almost a full point to the upside live cattle trading down a third of a point lean hogs down just over two full points feeder cattle down a quarter dow up 0.17 because yay jp morgan just got bigger S&P is up a quarter of a point. NASDAQ up a quarter of a point. S&P mini kind of going sideways, 0.11% to the upside. I got real money having its problems again today, $28,212.73. That's after a measly quarter of a million Bitcoin had been sent around the horn in the last 24 hours. Lord have mercy. This is going to be a very weird read. I got 0.38 BTC is the average transaction value. The median transaction value, which as you know, I deem is most important, is 0.00002 BTC. That is 56 United States pennies. That's half a buck. That's the median transaction value. Now, grain of salt. This is bit... Info charts, okay, bitinfocharts.com. Are they correct? I don't know. I don't know where they get their data from, okay? Understand that. But if they're right, there's a complete stall in what's going on for general people buying shit or trading services and time for Bitcoin at the retail level on chain now this has nothing to do with lightning all right that thing's a freaking monster at this point but that's somewhere else this is on chain transactions and at the retail level if this is to be believed we're at half a buck for the last 24 hours people have only been sending half a buck worth of bitcoin transactions i kind of don't believe it but that's what i got 0.35 0.35 BTC taken in fees on a per block basis, and holy smokies, 60 BTC taken in fees overall in the last 24 hours. That's a hell of a chunk of change. Just, I'm just saying. Now, uh, hash rate is up 8.9% in the last 24 hours. That brings us up to 378 0.72 exahashes per second. So a whole bunch of rigs were turned online since last Friday. Uh, Doge, your shitcoin indicator is doing what? Oh, it's at 7.8 United States pennies. If you own Doge, well, I don't know what to tell you. I, I warned you, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. We have a $547.3 billion market capitalization. That is just peaking its head over 4% of gold's market cap you can, if you so choose, purchase 14.1 ounces of shiny metal rocks with your one Bitcoin of which there are 19,361,286.96 of and 5,415.2 of those are in the Lightning Network sporting 73,805 payment channels and 65.7% of all of it's being run over Tor. Now, it looks like there is now a negative 1.9% Percent estimated difficulty change to happen three days from now on May the 4th be with you. 80 blocks, ladies and gentlemen, there are 80 blocks holding 169,000 unconfirmed transactions waiting to clear various mempools. Wow, holy shit, 27 satoshis per V-byte is what your lowest priority price is at this moment in time. 48 Satoshis per v Guys, for your regular run-in-the-mill, non-multi-sig Segwit transaction, like your vanilla transaction, is going to cost you just under $2 to do. Is that too expensive? I don't know. Be, would, would somebody from Bhutan buying a Lamborghini from Italy, having to send that money, costing, you know, what, $350,000 for a low-line Lamborghini? Uh, $2. <laughs> I don't think they're going to give a shit, dude, but 79 blocks. We just cleared one 79 blocks. Just chilling out, waiting. Holy crap. Uh, oh, it's Boostagram time from episode 715 Hamas nomas. I got fat Toshi was 7,891. Satoshi says cheese. Nick underscore dose with seven thousand eight hundred and nine zero sat says cheers. P with a striper boost says buy bitcoin, hold bitcoin, and hold bitcoin again. Jory underscore x underscore McKay with twenty one hundred satoshi says I I can't wait for the leak that proves that Powell and Yellen have been stacking sats on the sly for years. <laughs> I'm still in the charts, ladies and gentlemen. It's not a vanity thing when I bring it to you. I'm just saying that if you guys are going to help me out, then I need to uh, give you feedback as to the fact that it's working. You're actually helping me out. So your your boostograms are not in vain. I'm actually, what is the chart? Just so so we know. Number three, I'm in the number three position, Bitcoin and. I appreciate it. You did that. I did not do that. It's time for the Noster report. It won't fail. April thirtieth, twenty twenty-three. Block heights seven eight seven seven zero nine. Moscow time thirty four fourteen. Quote of the day: I'm in constant awe at the entire Bitcoin effort and Bitcoin Core specifically. It really is a miracle. Even if ulti- it ultimately fails, asterisk, it showed everyone what's possible. Okay ultimately fails i hate it when people say that even if bitcoin fails i hear it every once in a while i hear that shit. how it can't fail if there are two nodes operating and a couple like a miner then the bitcoin network is still the bitcoin network you'd have to kill it all and then and then and then let's say it's like the whole bitcoin network went offline for a full 24 hours yeah, there would be proclamations in the street and, and Peter Schiff would be all over our ass and we'd feel terrible. And then one miner and a couple of nodes spin back up. Everybody's, you know, like those nodes had a copy of the blockchain. The whole thing gets, re it's just, it spins itself back up, completely resurrecting itself from the dead. And all of a sudden it's not dead anymore. This whole, even if it fails argument, I can't stand it. Please stop it. That's the weather report. All right. Welcome to part two of the snooze that you can use how to get blue sky invite codes as Chrissy Teigen, joins the decentralized Twitter revival. Sell, sell, sell. Yeah, I hear that, dude. It's probably the only thing that you actually say that makes any kind of sense. Uh, Ah, decrypt.co, written by who? Alice Key. Celebrities, politicians, and other notable Twitter user, Twizzlers. Twizzlers, I'll call them Twizzlers, have begun joining the decentralized social network, Blue Sky, as the app rolls out to even more users. After launching in the App Store in March and on Android last week, Blue Sky has begun picking up new adopters through its invite-only rollout. They include Twitter power users like U.S. Congresswoman Alexandria Occasionally Conscious, who has 13.4 million followers on Twitter, and model Chrissy Teigen, who has 12.8 million followers. Oh, like I... Oh, no. No. That that's their measure of importance, I guess, whatever. Blue sky has its origins inside Twitter itself, having been set up as a working group in 2019 by former CEO Jack Dorsey to research and create a decentralized social media protocol. The initiative is now separate from Twitter, but Dorsey who himself left Twitter in 2021 sits on its board. The blue sky app is built on the authenticated transport protocol, otherwise known as the AT protocol a federated social network framework. And this means that many sites make up the network instead of a single one and businesses and individuals can also choose to self host if they want. But for now, most people are just looking at the project's own app, Blue Sky, which has a lot of the same features as Twitter. And at the end of February, there were about 2000 users on Blue Sky. By last week, there were 25,000. This week per Bloomberg, there are 40,000. And today we'll bring the 50,000 user milestone. How do you get in on the action? (laughs) Honestly, you might not want to. It's a dumpster fire in there, but we'll continue. Anyone wishing to join Blue Sky can join the wait list to try the beta before it becomes fully available to the public. This will eventually get you an invite code, but there's no telling how long that takes. However, certain Blue Sky developers and users have the ability to share invite codes with others. So, if you're lucky, someone in your network may have a way in. According to one Blue Sky developer, each member will get one code per week to share for every two weeks he or she has been on the platform. Meaning, members who have been on the service longer will be able to grow their networks faster. The Blue Sky team has the ability to grant a user a large number of invites, an even larger number of invites, in fact, which has been the case for some especially active users. It's also worth keeping an eye on updates from the development team earlier this month. For example, Blue Sky started an early access program for people with a Substack newsletter in a bid to get more writers on the platform. Finally, some enterprising users have been selling invite codes eBay currently lists a few with prices as high as $300 each. On the other end of the spectrum, some members have been posting codes publicly to Twitter, but these get snapped up almost instantly. The system is not perfect. Last week, hackers cracked the algorithm that the Blue Sky team was using to generate invite codes, leading to the mass release of codes and a sudden influx of users. Blue Sky administrators opted to reset the invite code generator, invalidating a number of older codes and also removed at least a handful of new members for unwelcome activity. The censorship continues unabated. Be careful who you share your invites with as well. This is important, guys. Okay, this is me talking, not the article. This is important. Listen up. Be careful who you share your invites with as well. Blue Sky CEO Jay Grabber said this week that the team is tracking invite chains and may penalize the inviter if an invitee ends up getting booted from the community. If all else fails, you can wait for the app to launch publicly and at present, that's unclear when that will be. All right. Yeah, this this whole thing about tracking invite codes calling it an invite chain. Here's the actual tweet from Jay. We've started to use invite chains as an input for reputation. Invites are private to servers and can be tooling for server admins to protect their community. After today, if a banned or actioned account invited you or you invited them, your posts may temporarily not show up in the what's hot feed. So you invite somebody, they act like a complete dick, you get tagged. So since, and, and, and guess what? That invite chain is forever. Okay. So now like the blue sky invite that I got came from JB 55. So if I screw up, then JB 55 gets the hammer. Dude. The Eh, it's hard for me to talk when I'm almost livid because there's two things going on here. First and foremost, blue sky itself. I had high hopes. I had high hopes for this and they, it's just, they've wrecked it already. I, mean, you know, Jack may sit on the board, but this J person and some of the other people that are on this team, J- this J Grable or Graber or whatever his or her name is, I don't even, I can't tell by the by the avatar if it's a chick or not. All right. Dude, was it Zcash? He or she came from Zcash or something like that. A shit coin chain. Shit coiner is the CEO of the blue sky protocol. So there's that. And it's very clear that they're screwing this up already. There's that. The censorship chain, invite chain, that's going to be a that's going to be a theme. Like if somebody like if if I write something and like and this has nothing to do with invite chain. Let's let's try um boost chain if I write something like, I like Hitler, Hitler was cool. And somebody re-skeets that, because that's what they're calling him now, skeets. Jay doesn't want him to be called skeets, so everybody be sure to call him skeets. If I re-skeet that, then the person who re-skeeted that could get tagged. Just by association. The theme is is guilt by association. Again, let me, let me re- reiterate that. The theme, it's not just the invite chain. It's going to be the everything chain. If your, connect, your social graph, whether you know what one looks like or not, is highly interconnected on every platform that you go to, whether they're walled or unwalled right? Your social graph, people you, any interaction you've ever had in one of these platforms is tracked, tracked, tracked. If you boo somebody, re-skeet somebody, retweet somebody, re-whatever, if you invite somebody, if you reply to somebody, if somebody replied to you and replied with, uh, like, here's what this other guy said. And then like, you know, put in that tweet or that skeet or whatever into their reply. It's all connected. At one point or another, you're six degrees of separation from being Hitler. Seriously, probably even less than that. You're six degrees away from being booted off of all these platforms because somebody said something from somebody who knew somebody else who invited some dude who did this thing and then replied to this chick over here and said, I don't know, the C word and all of you suck and you're all banned or you're all hidden or you're all ghosted, whatever it is. That's why I only really give a shit about Noster. Noster is the thing. This, this blue sky thing. I don't, I don't even, to tell you the truth, I don't even think Jack Dorsey's gives that much of a shit about it anymore because of what Fiat Joff created. Nobody saw it coming. It was a black swan. Nobody saw that shit coming. Nobody saw a a, a protocol that lightweight with that much potential synergy. Nobody needs blue sky. Whenever I pop in there, you know what I see? The same crap that I saw on Twitter. It ain't nothing but a bunch of circle jerk with, mainstream media journalists talking about how they still hate Trump and a whole bunch of trans people talking about how straight people suck. It's every, it's everything you hated about Twitter only completely condensed. It's like Campbell's soup of bullshit. It's terrible. The whole thing is terrible. And yeah, there's, there's, hate talk. And there's all kinds of shit on there. I pop in there just to see what it is that I left. It reminds me of being back on Twitter. And what do I do? I run home to mama and Noster as fast as I possibly can. And within 10 seconds, I feel good again. I'm going less. I I got my invite from JB 55 and I feel kind of bad because I'm not using it as much, but I can't. Because Nostr is that much better. If any of you guys had any question as to whether or not you can put up with some of the cludginess and clunkiness of Nostr, then I invite your ass to go to Blue Sky. If I get an invite, I will give it to somebody so that they can see what it is that I'm seeing. And I don't give a shit if you get me booted off either by talking about how great Genghis Khan was and all his killing. I don't care. Because blue sky means as much to me now as Twitter does. It means nothing. It's all crap. All right. Now, we haven't talked about this in quite a while, but here's an update on the Central African Republic. And it's not a good update, but it is going on, so you need to understand what it is that you're going to have to combat. The fall of Bitcoin in the Central African Republic. Why this legal tender experiment failed. Jonathan Buck, BitcoinMagazine.com. In April of 2022, the Central African Republic adopted Bitcoin as legal tender, becoming the second nation in history to do so. However, just one year later, the nation reversed its decision. The Central African Republic, or CAR, one of the poorest countries in the world, Faces numerous obstacles such as political instability, inadequate infrastructure, and food shortages. In the 2018 Human Development Index, the car ranks second to last, with around 79% of its 4.7 million residents living in poverty. More than 3 million people in the country are reported to require humanitarian assistance, while more than 85% of the population lacks electricity. One of the significant barriers to the success of the Bitcoin project in the Central African Republic was surely the country's limited internet access. With only about 10% of the population having any kind of access at all to the internet, widespread adoption of digital currencies was highly unlikely. While Bitcoin has been helping to bank the unbanked globally, The digital currency alone cannot solve all of a country's underlying infrastructure problems. And while Bitcoin can be resilient off the grid, the lack of basic amenities such as, you know, electricity and internet in CAR likely hindered the spread and usability of Bitcoin in that region. The introduction of Bitcoin as legal tender in CAR was met with skepticism, partly due to the country's close ties with Russia raising suspicions about its potential plans to use cryptocurrencies to bypass sanctions. The United Nations also warned that developing countries like the car could face high risks and costs associated with cryptocurrencies. And ultimately, the economic benefits promised by the proponents of Bitcoin in the car never materialized. Ambitious projects such as building a Bitcoin city failed or never began, further dampening enthusiasm for the digital currency experiment. Despite the disappointment in the car, Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies have been gaining traction in other African countries. For example, Nigeria and South Africa have seen a significant increase in Bitcoin adoption with millions of users now buying, selling, and trading digital assets. In these countries, the growth of the cryptocurrency industry has been driven by factors such as high inflation rate of local fiat currencies, an increasing number of young taxa, tech-savvy individuals, and a growing number of businesses accepting Bitcoin as payment methods. In the end, the failure of Bitcoin as legal tender in the car can be attributed to the nation's challenging economic conditions, skepticism surrounding its motives, limited access to tech, and unfulfilled peripheral promises. But despite the failure, other African countries present some of the world's most promising growing epicenters of Bitcoin adoption. If anything, this failure in the car highlights the importance of developed environments and good faith intentions for the successful adoption of Bitcoin, at least for the first handful of countries that hope to be successful. So Bitcoin was a complete failure in the Central African Republic. That's okay. Why is it always supposed to work? Why is it? We've just gotten, we've just, you know, whether it's you're talking about Bitcoin or I don't know, putting together a bicycle. Why is it that we just assume that there's never going to be a situation where a, a, a pivotal nut that you needed to build the, to assemble the bicycle the night before Christmas, because you waited that fucking long has to be there. I mean, mistakes are made. Shit doesn't arrive in the box. There are several, several examples of stuff I've pulled out of a box and some of the stuff that I need to make it work. Isn't there. It happens. It's not often, but it happens. Bitcoin is some assembly required, ladies and gentlemen. Don't pick countries to go to that don't have internet or electricity or running water. I mean, build that shit first. That's, maybe we should leverage the NGOs like, you know, world, the the World Bank, the people we hate, let them sink their money into those countries building actual infrastructure and then we'll come along. And do our thing. Oh, do we give a shit about Justin's son? No, not really. But this one, this is a good one. Ohio man steals twenty one million dollars in Bitcoin from his brother, and he gets four years in prison. <laughs> he didn't steal it from his brother. He did, but he he didn't. Let's Andrew Bogansky will tell us about it. Uh, decrypt.co Gary James Harmon of Ohio, <clears throat> Ohio was sentenced to four years and three months in prison for stealing 712 Bitcoin that belonged to his brother. The United States department of justice has announced Harmon pleaded guilty to criminal charges in January faced with one count, each of wire fraud and obstruction of justice, carrying a maximum sentence of 40 years combined. Okay. So that's all I wanted to, to give you guys. I went over this. This was that whole thing his brother was, you know, got got hosed for like laundering money and something like that with Bitcoin, whatever the bogus charges were. And while he was, you know, I don't know, in prison or awaiting arraignment or something or other whatever, his brother decides to reconstitute his wallet from I guess the seed phrase or whatever, and then he steals the Bitcoin from the wallet. It was great. It was awesome. But he got hosed. Because Bitcoin, if you're not doing it correctly, isn't exactly all that anonymous. Um, And it takes quite a bit of work to pull something like this off. And I I don't recommend it. Just because you don't want that kind of trouble. Because now he's gotta go, he's gotta go sit in a, you know, a four by eight for four years and three months. And that's gonna suck ass, right? So don't, don't do that. Don't, don't go to prison. It's not worth it. Uh, But he did get sentenced. Four years, three months going to prison for doing this shit that's that's the all all i really wanted to bring to you on that one and let's see i don't need let's see do we want this one what time is it yeah we're an hour and 15 in you know what gonna call it that's the morning roundup All right, for Monday, Dad Says Jokes. I've been telling people about the benefits of eating dried grapes. You know, just raising awareness. Yeah, Yeah, I got my soundboard working again, or at least I think. We'll find out when I go to post-production and see if that actually happened. Apparently, the MIDI controller lost its little mind and had to be completely, you know, I don't know, resynced and all this stuff that has to be done with that. I you know, here's what I'm surprised about. MIDI, musical instrument, digital interface has been around since the 80s. It's 50-year-old technology, and it still works. See, that is a testament to protocol. Well built Protocol lightweight, heavy duty protocol. MIDI fails sometimes. I get it, but holy shit that what MIDI can actually do, and if you if you've ever wondered what MIDI can do, read an article about the band rush and its use of MIDI and how many sequencers and synthesizers and, and effects and all kinds of shit is they've, they got to the point where they were just as much MIDI as they were extremely competent, highly technical, analog instrument performance artists, everything about, they were half and half. When you look at them in concert, all you really see them doing is playing drums and a guitar and a bass. And yeah, you see him operating a couple of synthesizers, but in the background, in the background, what's going on to make three people sound like a fucking symphony is absolutely stupendous. Their mastery of this protocol made them one of the highest respected bands in the universe, man. I mean, you don't get to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame without, especially when it took them that long to get the rock to get to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. They had been snubbed and snubbed and snubbed and snubbed and snubbed, and they continued on and on and on for well over forty years. Nobody in the band died, ever. Right? They never didn't replace. They replaced their drummer one time, and that was after the very first album, because <clears throat> Rutsy Brown, I think, was his name had like really, really bad diabetes, like type one diabetes that was going to kill his ass at one point, but it was making him so sick all the time that he really he really just couldn't do it. That's the only member change. And of course they replaced him with Neil Neil Parrott. So <clears throat> they <laughs> that was a good that was a good replacement. I'm just saying when we look at Noster, we look at Bitcoin, we look at MIDI, what we're looking at is protocols. Platforms are built around on top of and utilizing these protocols. It's important to understand the distinction as we move forward. Blue Sky is saying that they're a protocol and in reality, it really is, but it's a federated protocol. And if they do it, if they execute it the way that Mastodon and the Fediverse and all that stuff has been executed. It just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Nostr to me makes sense. Can you federate Nostr? Of course you can, but it looks like it actually doesn't want to be federated. It leans more towards not centralization, but just swimming in a community pool instead of having a whole bunch of different swimming pools that you got to get out of one. If you want to go talk to the other person, you got to drive your happy ass across town, do all kinds of shit. And then you get into that pool. Noster to me, seems like it very much wants to remain a community pool. Like, and it just keep the pool just keeps getting bigger bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. It's more fun on Noster. Every time I go to Blue Sky, it's a cesspool. When I go over and I get in through Mastodon on the Fediverse, it's boring. Noster is where it's at. If you do not have your private public key pair that enables you to get into Noster, please stop waiting around. You're missing out on a ton of fun. There's so many people on there and it's like everybody's always in a good mood and it's just, it's a much more positive environment to be in, and you want that. I guarantee you want to be next to people that are exuding positive things. I'm guilty of being negative sometimes, I get it, but I'm working on it because I recognize it. I want to be positive, and one of the ways that you do that is you remain connected to positive people. People who have a positive outlook on the future, on life, a positive outlook on problems that occurred to them and how they solved it and didn't get crushed by it. That's who you want to be around. You don't want to be anywhere close to blue sky. I've been there. Trust me. It's the same bullshit that inundated and basically destroyed Twitter, right? It's the same moaning and bitching and piss fest. And oh my God, the orange man's gonna kill us! And it's just the hyperbole of the idiocy is so over the top; it's in orbit. Don't. If you get if you get excited about getting an invite to Blue Sky, dude, I might just I'm at one point or another I might just put my credentials up on Nostra and just let let it be a free for all. Anybody can sign in. I don't know. It's possible I could do that because honestly it it's it's not really shaping up to be all that much for me, but you be you be the judge if and when I get an invite because I think I've been on for about a week, maybe a little shorter. I'll keep checking if I get an invite, I will announce it on Noster. And we'll see about getting it to somebody. If you really want to go examine the cesspool that is blue sky, I'm not going to stop you. I'll help facilitate it. But please, please, please promise me that you will see the negativity over there for what it is and tell other people about it. And I will see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.